So we're on week number five of our series called This Is Us, Stories of Unfolding Redemption. And we have been highlighting stories of transformation, stories of life change, stories of redemption. And we've been saying that redemption does not happen all at once. That's why we call it unfolding redemption. That life transformation takes place over time, right? That's the sanctification process that God works in all of us. He sets us apart. He's in the process of changing us. And that occurs one decision at a time, one surrender at a time, one day at a time. And so we've been highlighting stories of people in the church uh, who uh, are going through uh, struggles and tension, but we've also been showing the victories and also the uh, setbacks, and they've been raw and they've been real, and they've, all of them have been us. And I've so appreciated the vulnerability that our church family has shown uh, in these stories. One of the hills that we die on is leave the masks. And uh, I think our church has demonstrated that. Some of the stories, they've, they've all been powerful and all of them have been raw. Philippians uh, talks about that uh, God began a good work in you and that it's God's responsibility to continue that work that he started. That is the unfolding redemption that we've been celebrating uh, in this series. And we're going to have another story today. I'm excited for you to see it. Uh, I think it's powerful. Uh, and let's pray and we're going to jump in then. Lord, um, we just want to start uh, as we look into your word and your truth. We want to just invite you uh, to speak to us, uh, to overcome any distractions that might uh, be in the room, or um, maybe we've had a difficult morning and our mind is split and we're having a difficult time concentrating. I pray you would help us overcome those things to begin to just set our affection and our vision upon you. And so, Holy Spirit, we invite you to stir us and move us and uh, to have your way in us. And my hope is, is that each of us would say yes to you today. Whatever it is that you speak to us, whatever it is that you speak over us, whatever direction you point us in, my prayer is that we would say yes to you. And so come and uh, continue your redemption work in each of us. And even as we participate in worship through our giving, um, let it go towards representing you and our community, and not just here, but around the world and the works that we do uh, in other places as well. And so we do this as a form of worship in our giving, a form of placing you first overall and over everything. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, I'm, I'm glad that you're with us today. I think it's going to be an impacting service for us. Uh, one of the, the weaknesses that uh, I have, according to a certain female who lives in our house, um, is that I am a perpetual channel surfer. Uh, and I, I, I have a difficult time staying on one thing because in my mind, I'm always thinking, what if there's something better on another channel? Does anyone else ever have that struggle? I do it on the radio as well. I like the song, but there might be a better song further on down the aisle. And so I'm constantly, constantly changing things. Early on in our marriage, it caused a lot of tension when my wife would just say, why can't you just stick with one thing? And I would tell her, this really isn't a lifestyle for everyone. You know, you have to take the good with the bad. I can't tell you how many last-minute comebacks I've missed uh, from the uh, Coyotes or the Suns or the Mercury. And Well, let's be honest, nobody watches the Mercury. And so, you know, those things that, that, that I, I miss because I, I 
flip channels all the time. On one of my channel surfing sessions, I remember seeing uh, this show, and I was caught off guard because I wondered what executive thought that um, high-stakes Texas Hold'em would make for good television. You know, where they have these poker tournaments now on TV with color commentators and slow-motion replays of the river card coming around and, you know, all the stuff. And, and, and a matter of fact, we've been talking about doing a, a men's poker night coming up here. Uh, but I'll tell you, if you're at my table, I'm not much of a poker player. Uh, I, I don't have the face for it. I told you before that when I get nervous, my response is to smile. And so when I'm bluffing, if you look at me long enough, I'm going to start to smile. That's my tell, right? Uh, I can't tell you how many times that's caused tension in our relationship, my marriage, that it's hard to answer the question, do you think this is funny, when you're smiling? <laughs> I don't think it's funny, but it's just I can't stop smiling. Uh, and, and so I get the basics of poker. I get the idea that, you know, queen beats jack and king beats queen until you're married and then queen beats all, right? Uh, I, I get the idea. Um, but if you're unfamiliar with Texas Hold'em, you get two cards dealt randomly to you face down. Uh, and you have no say in the cards that you get. And you can complain about your hand, and you can hope, and you can beg, and you can bribe, and you can rub a good luck charm. But in the end, the cards come as they please. Whining to the dealer doesn't change anything. Getting angry doesn't change anything. anything. Fits of anger, throwing your cards, pounding your fist on the table. Whatever cards you draw are the cards that you're stuck with. Early on in the game, you have to make a decision. And it's a decision that determines your participation and influence in the game. Now pay attention because I'm not just talking about poker. We're building a metaphor for something bigger right now. Uh, It determines your participation and your influence in the game. And it's a simple question that you need to answer. Play or fold? And if you play, it gives you an opportunity to succeed and to become a contributor to the game. But it's not without risk. If you fold, you simply become an observer and the game passes you by and you contribute nothing to the game. Play or fold? And it's not just a question asked during poker. I think it's a question that is asked of us in life. I think daily we are confronted with the question, play or fold? Will you play the hand that you've been dealt? The hand that you've been dealt on a particular day? The hand that you've been dealt during a particular season in life? Or maybe the hand that you've been dealt over all of life? Maybe it's something that will never change, but the question is asked of us, Will you play? Will you be a contributor? Or will you fold and simply let life pass you by because of the hand that you've been dealt? Now, as followers of Christ, this becomes an even more weighty question because uh, its decision determines whether we will be participants in the work that God is doing in building His kingdom or whether we will, quote, sit this one out until something better happens in life. See, much like in the game, we don't have much say over the cards that we're dealt. And becoming upset changes nothing. Being jealous over someone else's hand really doesn't help your hand. Whether you're disappointed with the cards you hold does not change or minimize the question that I think God is asking of each of us, and that is, will you play Or will you fold? Will you be a participant in what God is actively doing 
in this community and the community around you? Or will you simply sit this one out because life has not measured up to what you thought you wanted and you allow life to pass you by? Will you be a contributor in what God is doing? Will you take some risk? Will you be vulnerable? It will require some sacrifice. But in the end, if you choose to play, you can partner with what God is doing to further His salvation story both here locally and quite possibly around the world. But there's that question that needs to be answered. Play or fold? So I think sometimes we're waiting for a better hand, better cards to come our way, and that may never happen. Sure, you can join the naysayers if you don't like your cards, that the, the, the hand that you've been dealt, and you can gripe and you can complain and you can pick and you can tear down and you can join those whose countenance has fallen and, and you can join the horde of those who criticize and grumble. Or, or you can take the cards that you hold and you can decide to be a participant, an influencer in what is known as the game of life. This is a question that all of us are asked. Your hand may not be ideal this morning, but the question is still being asked of you. Will you play or will you fold? It was a question that was asked of Greg Dilsaver in the video that we're highlighting today. Let's go ahead and run that piece, please. So in 1991, um, Desert Storm, Desert Shield happened, and um, I was deployed to Iraq and when I, I got injured at that time, and basically what happened was uh, it was friendly fire. Um, I had walked by a generator room, and someone didn't latch the door correctly is what ended up happening, um, and the generator blew up. I got a bunch of shrapnel in my upper thigh long story short basically uh, I tried 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 after three years you go on PBRL which is permanent retired list and um, you're out of the military so I ended up going to college um, at ASU <laughs> uh, for electrical engineering um, ended up <clears throat> actually not finishing college so the end of my junior year I was presented an opportunity to go work at Intel as a uh, electrical mechanical engineer in what they call a photolithography, um, which is basically printing at a submicron level. So I ended up working in the semiconductor field for uh, several years, um, over a decade, and uh, as a senior photolithography. Um, engineer. Um, however, as time went on, my injuries that I had occurred um, in Afghanistan and um, injuries that I had occurred on my own uh, had gotten worse and worse. And ultimately, uh, the company had to let me go. Um, uh, I, I, I couldn't certify on on certain aspects of you know confined spaces. I couldn't walk up ladders anymore. Um, you know, and that was, uh, that's where it all fell apart. You lose something, um, you lose a piece of you, you know, uh, and I didn't know where to put the energy. 
you know, I, I didn't know where to put it. And being, being someone so driven and a workaholic, I would work 16 hour days. I was happiest at that, you know, and I was really good at what I did. So now I, I didn't have any purpose. So yeah, I became angry, confused, lost, um, was not going to church at all at that point. So my injuries, um, had worsened. They had progressed to the point where, uh, my wife was actually having to dress me. Uh, she would have to tie my shoes. She would have to put on my socks. I couldn't do it. It was way too painful. Um, just getting up to walk was a struggle to sit down more than five minutes was an impossibility. The pain was so bad that I was, I was going to be wheelchair bound. Th that in turn, it's, it's crushing. It's crushing to be this man of men and then, and then, and then be having to be helped all the time. So we were at the point, my wife and I, that, uh, we we're willing to try anything. And my wife's friend or family member or someone knew a surgeon out in Phoenix, Arizona, where we had both had family who was supposedly, uh, you know, one of the top guys in the nation. He, he was really good. So we ended up moving out here and we started looking for our home church. Uh, my wife and she had some close friends. Uh, they actually go to this church. So we, we, we tried it out. We tried Reveal Out. Um, and it was the first time we knew. We, we, we knew this was where we needed to be. It was like God had placed us right where we were supposed to be. So here I am now in Arizona, um, getting better, getting stronger. Uh, I'm able to walk again, you know, with some longevity. I still can't go to the mall and go shopping with my wife. There's a blessing in there. I'm telling you, I'm just saying. Um, but I'm to the point where I can walk around the block now, you know, and, and I'm getting stronger. So, but I'm not going to be able to go back to what I've been trained for, right? I'm not going to be able to go back to how, what the military trained me for. I'm not going to be able to go back to semiconductor. Um, and I'm not sure what I'm going to do. And I'm lost. I'm at church one day and I, I meet this individual. His name was Larry. And, uh, Larry had a ministry going on. And at the time, I was, here I am asking God for something to do. And Larry walks up and he says, hey, um, God has told me that you're supposed to take over my can ministry and he is going to build it grand. And those were his words. And I'm like, your can ministry, what's your can ministry? And he says, oh, I collect aluminum cans for the church. And then the money that we get from that, we, we buy rice and stuff for these children over in India. And I'm like, <laughs> aluminum cans? You, you want me to pick up aluminum cans? And he's like, yes. Uh, I went home thinking, come on, man. You're a senior engineer in photolithography. You have white sheets that basically changed equipment that went around the world, right? I am so much better for this. God didn't give me, he, he's not going to use my skills like that. He's not going to have me pick up aluminum cans. It's just silly, right? And 
my wife and I are talking <laughs> much later, a few days later, I get a call from Larry and he says, Hey, uh, I need you to come over to the house. And I said, okay. Um, he goes, I have a trailer. And, I, and I'm like, okay. He goes, do you have a truck? And I said, yeah, I have a truck. And here he's, he didn't tell me that he didn't tell me anything but that. So I thought maybe he needed help with his trailer or maybe I had a flat tire or something. So I go over to his house and he hands me these keys and he's like, okay, the trailer's right there. Go ahead and hook it up. And I, you know, and I'm like, wait a minute. What, I don't, what do you, he goes, you're supposed to take my McCann ministry over. I wasn't there to pick up a trailer or even start the can ministry. Right. And he's like, here you go. God told me you're supposed to do this. And you know, we went, I went home and I, I thought about it. I took the trailer, but I thought about it and I'm like, you know, who is it? Who am I to sit there and ask for purpose? And then God gives me purpose, right? Gives me a job to do to, to not do it. And so it was a no brainer at that point, you know, something just clicked in my mind. I had to do it, you know, no matter how little it was. I mean, why would God trust me with something big if I can't even do something that's little? So I said yes to the ministry, and here I am, the can man. Um, started picking up cans from the church. Um, you know, a couple bags here, a couple bags there. Not really a big deal. Uh, would save them up until I got a, a trailer full, um, and then uh, which took months. Um, and then uh, I I'd drive them down and turn in the money, and then you know basically we get that money over to the to the correct hands in India for the kids well I'm driving through Dutch Brothers one day and they asked me what are you doing with all those cans and so I told them what it was for and they were like well hey we have cans and uh, do you want them and I said yeah well, sure I'll take them well that sparked a whole new flame so I ended up picking up cans from from Dutch Brothers uh, and it, it, it just kept growing and growing and growing to something grand to the point where I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do because I don't have the time to do this now. Um, so currently we have only two Dutch brothers, uh, but in the next couple of months, we're going to have up to six, six or seven. Um, and they are now actively asking me, Hey, we need, we need, boxes for the cans you know they, they're they're on board they're all excited right and it's funny how God took something so simple and so basic like nothing it was trash and has turned it into something amazing right I mean it feeds and it clothes and it educates what like 130 something kids it's just it's just amazing you know the funds have been able to help with building costs of, of preschools and kindergartens over there. And, you know, to be able to be part of something so minimal that God changes and multiplies is, it, is it's amazing. It's amazing. And here I am. I am too good to be the can man. Uh, it just blows my mind. Yeah, so the yes to Jesus really happened. And, uh, you know, but the wife and I have talked to this, talked about this. You know, when did, when did all this switch? You know, when, when, did, when did all this, like, when did the switch flip, you know? 
and you know what dude it was from the baptismal that's when it changed like people started saying that I was different after that like days after that right and I'm like I didn't see I didn't feel any different I didn't feel any different uh, I, in fact I thought my heart was hardened still but what God had done is he had taken a piece of the heart away and I couldn't feel it yet I couldn't feel it yet but other people could feel it other people could see it my kindness started happening I became more um, in tuned in tuned in caring in caring what they you know if I saw that you were bummed out or something was wrong before I would just leave you alone it's not my place now I'm like hey are you okay what can I do for you can I pray for you man it, it, it's, it's changed you know my wife says that my heart is actually back it's no longer hard and I, I don't ever want to lose this feeling So my name is Greg Dillsaver, and I am AKA The Can Man, and this is my story. How awesome is that story? It's like only God could take something like that and just kind of put everything together, you know, Greg talked about Larry. Larry was a member of our church who um, came down uh, with cancer and passed away several years ago. And uh, he was getting things ready. And for Larry to go to Greg, who didn't even know, and just be like, you're the guy supposed to take over my can ministry. If you don't believe in God, there's a little proof for you. Greg was not the type of guy you approach on your own and say, I got a can ministry for you. First time I met Greg... He came up after a service, and he was not happy with something I said. And this was prior to, you know, the heart being softened. I remember I went home and told my wife, I said, man, I met this guy, Greg, and he did not like what I had to say on, on a particular Sunday. But when we say yes to Jesus, that's the unfolding redemption that God can still transform and take a heart of stone and make it soft and pliable and uh, you know, I, I, I love his story because it started by simply saying yes, and God is able to do the rest, saying yes to playing the hands he'd been dealt. Look, it's, they weren't ideal. They weren't the cards he wanted. I mean, he, we had to cut this part out of his story, but at one point he was on 150 milligrams of, of morphine a day for five years. You don't know this about Greg, but he's in constant pain, yet every morning, like 3, 4 in the morning, he's up there picking up cans because he's playing the cards he's been dealt. i got to show you this one. It's short, but uh, we do a Super Bowl of preaching uh, every year on Super Bowl Sunday, and uh, we put two pastors against each other, and we have videos, uh, commercials, and stuff like that. So i got to show you Greg's first video in a, in a Super Bowl commercial, just for laughs. Go ahead and, and, and run that, please. He is the life of parties he has never attended. If he were to punch you in the face, 
he would have to fight off the strong urge to thank him. Sharks have a week dedicated to him. He is the most interesting man in the world. I don't always go to church, but when I do, I prefer reveal. Stay thirsty for God, my friends. There you go. That was Greg's big uh, debut in the, uh, in the putting his toe in the waters of Hollywood. One of the hills that we die on here is this phrase that everyone gets to play. You saw it on one of the candles in the, in the video shot. And I heard this phrase in my mid-20s, and it really changed the way that church should function for me. It changed the way that I view church, that it's not just the guy up on the stage who's responsible for ministry, but that ministry should be done by everyone in the church that everyone gets to play. Maybe you were picked last in grade school or high school, but you're not picked last in the kingdom. And I love this idea that God takes anyone who is willing to say yes and will partner with them to moving his kingdom message forward. And I love the opportunity that God continues, the invitation he continues to bring to us and is simply asking the question, will you play or will you fold? And so let me ask you, what are you waiting for? Maybe you're waiting for a better hand, but hey, listen, life is life. And sometimes a better hand never comes. Let let me give you just quickly something I've learned in a half a century of living. I hate to even say that, but here's some life observations. There is always some level of disappointment in life, even in the best of circumstances. Right? You have a good marriage, but your husband forgot your anniversary and your birthday. And Christmas, all right? So, you know, there's some disappointment. You you like your job, but your bonus was way less than you thought it was going to be. Or you had a great vacation, but it went by too fast. There is always some level of disappointment in life, even in the best of circumstances. But here's the other thing I've learned. Go to number two, please. Circumstances are rarely at their best. There is always something that that could be better in your life. And so if you're holding a nine and a three, and you're thinking, I just got to wait until I'm, you know, holding your pocket aces. It may never happen. And if you wait until it makes sense or you're holding a better hand, listen, please, please. The best part of your life may pass you by. Because life is life. We, we have a, a child who's graduated college, living on her own, another college, be a senior next year at NAU, lives up there, only see him a few times a year. We have an 18-year-old at home, drives, self-sufficient, does his own thing. And we thought, hey, life would be, is life any easier right now? Life is not easier right now. Because life is what it is. And I, we, we, as humans, we have this tendency to say, well, when this happens, then I will. This never happens. When you get here, this is not going to be what you thought this would be. And so at some point, you just have to answer the question, play or fold? What are you waiting for? Chaos, I think, has become the new normal. And we never know what God can do through a simple yes. You know, we got more stores coming online, and the owner of these Dutch bros have gone to Greg. Greg's met with these really high-up guys, and they're like, Greg, you know, we got plans for what, like 12 stores? Are you going to take all of them? Greg's like, Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I have no idea what that even looks like. But here, here's, here's something. They want our 
the next doors to remain local. And so they said, we know what you do in India, but what are you doing local? And we're like, we got eight schools that we support with food and hygiene stuff and stuff like that. We're giving away snack packs now because kids, when they leave they, uh, over weekends, they don't have any food. And so we've been doing snack packs. This is a picture in one of our schools on a Friday of the line going inside of that office. We can't even keep them in enough snack packs. They're going through that many of them along with our other schools. And so for us to be able to get income coming in from stores where this food, where this money will stay local, man, we can provide them with as many packs as they need. That bin out in the lobby, that is for you to fill up with supplies that we sow into the schools uh, that, that we have decided to invest in. But you never know what God will do simply by saying yes. And unless you think that your life is more difficult than others, let me just remind you of some difficult circumstances of biblical characters who had a decision to make. Remember Moses, called to be a deliverer of God's people? And he basically said, God, I'm the wrong man for the job. I'm not well-spoken. I have a speech impediment. I stutter. And basically told God, you need to go find someone else. Not only that, but years ago, there was an Israelite being beaten by an Egyptian, and I stepped in and I killed the Egyptian. Remember that one, God? I've been on the run on the lamb for all these years, and now you want me to go back to speak to Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world. God, I don't have the cards for this. And God said, Moses, you got a choice. You can play or you can fold. And then there's Gideon, right? He's, he's hiding in a wine press while his enemies, the Midianites, come in, and he's hiding in fear because he's being overwhelmed. And an angel of the Lord presents himself and says, you are a mighty warrior. He's hiding. Remember when I said last week that God sees something in you that you don't see in yourself? And so this angel shows up and calls Gideon a mighty warrior, and Gideon's like, "Uh, I'm hiding for my life right now. Can you get down a little bit? And the angel says, you will lead God's people in a fight against your enemy. And he's like, no, I can't be me. And the angel's like, I'm paraphrasing. Play or fold, Gideon. The choice is yours. Gideon said, you must have the wrong guy because he said, I am from the weakest family from the tribe of Manasseh. It was one of the 12 tribes of Israel. He said, I'm from the weakest tribe in Manasseh and I am the weakest in my family. He's like, I am the weakest of the weak and you're coming to me. The angel says, play or fold. Here's the cards. That you, I know it's not perfect, but playerful. Remember the story of David? He's anointed to be king, and all he ever knew was the life of a shepherd. Playerful, David. Peter is called to be a disciple of Christ, and Peter's freaking out. He tells Jesus, go away from me because I'm a sinner. You know, he's a fisherman. You know, fishermen are fishermen. They're not the friendliest bunch. And he tells Jesus, depart from me, I'm too much of a sinner. And I always thought that was an odd response, but when you look at it through his profession, maybe it makes sense. You ever, you ever say, man, if I set foot in a church, a lightning bolt's just going to crack me and split my head open. I think this is what Peter was feeling. He's like, you need to go. And Jesus says, Peter, I'm calling you to be on my team. You have a choice to make, Pete. Play or fold. And what about the story of Esther? You know, There was a plot to kill the Jews in the kingdom, and Esther was Jewish, although the king didn't know it. And so Mordecai, her cousin, says, Esther, the Jews are about to be wiped out, but maybe you can go before the king and you can influence him. The Bible says she was beautiful in body and form. It says that you can influence him to save the Jews. And, And Esther says, look, if I go before the king when I'm not summoned, it means death. 
and he's not called me for 30 days. And she thought for sure Mordecai would understand. And Mordecai said, hey, Esther, maybe you're alive for such a time as this. Maybe your smoking hotness isn't by mistake. Maybe the cards you've been given is for this reason, and you need to change the king's heart because people's lives are depending upon you. Esther, player folds. Joseph is sold into slavery by his brothers. You thought your older siblings were rough. Right? The decision, player fold. And then we see those who, who, who dealt themselves a bad hand. Paul was a, a persecutor of Christians. He was destroying the church. Matthew, before being a disciple, was a tax collector. Think of an IRS agent on steroids. And yet Jesus goes to him and says, I know the, the, the hand you're holding, and I know you can make excuses, but I want you on my team. And Matthew's like, me? Player fold, Matthew. Player fold. So how much longer, how much longer do we wait before we say yes? Listen, next week uh, we have a Revive Our Community event. So be aware that church like this isn't happening. We're meeting at 9.30 inside of the church and we're going to go out in force and we're going to serve our community. So plan on coming 9.30 next week, ready to work for a couple hours and we'll come back here for lunch. Repainting some homes, doing some addresses on curbs in El Mirage, making cards for soldiers, making snack packs for our schools, surgical caps for children going into hospitals. We'll be stuffing hygiene packs at uh, the clothing shop in El Mirage. We'll be doing giveaways in parks and stuff like that. Here's your opportunity to say yes. But just don't stop with a once a year event or twice a year we do them. Hey, listen, say yes monthly, say yes weekly. There are so many good things taking place here at the church that we need a whole new influx of volunteers to come in. We need a whole new crowd of people to start volunteering in our children's ministry. We're planning a VBS for this summer. That doesn't run on its own. We need a whole new influx of volunteers. We need new greeters that are going to volunteer. We need you to come up with new ministries that will be birthed out of this church to send the message of God forward. And you never know what God will do simply by saying yes. And so I'm inviting you. I'm inviting you to say yes to partner with God in moving his message forward. We used to tell our kids when they were younger, the world needs people like you. And so I'm telling you, the world needs people like you. Your community needs people like you. Your work needs people like you. I know your cards at work aren't good, but maybe you're there for such a time as this. Hey, listen, in your church, it needs people like you. And so I'm asking you to say yes as we partner together to bring the kingdom message of God to our community, and as far as he will let us send that message. And together, we move and we do that. Stand with me. All right, next week, look forward to seeing you back for our service event. On your way out, uh, you can throw a pie in the face of some of our youth leaders. Uh, we're getting ready to relaunch our Sunday morning high school class coming up in April. We're excited about that. Uh, and so for a dollar, helps with camp, uh, you can throw a pie in one of our leaders' face. Not me, if you see me out there. I'm not one of them. I'm way worth way more than a dollar. Come on. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Pray with me then.
Lord, uh, you're asking us today, every one of us, play or fold. And I know we can make the excuses, and I know life is hard, and I know it's chaotic, and I know it's not necessarily what we wanted, and I, I, I know. But the question is still being asked, play or fold? Play or fold with the hands that we hold today and that we've hold in a season of life that we may hold throughout a lifetime, play or fold here in our church, in our families, in our work, and in our schools, wherever that will be, will you be a participant in moving the message of God and the word of God and the encouragement of God forward? Or will you just become a naysayer and allow it all to pass you by? My hope is that we would say yes. My hope is that for us here in our church that we would just have a, a wave of new volunteers coming in that would say yes to you and sow into the kingdom work that we are a part of. I pray we have a great turnout next week that as we serve people that our reputation would be established in this community as people who love our community, people who model, model mercy that triumphs over judgment. And I pray that for us. I pray we would say yes. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus, our great Lord and Savior. Amen. All right, church, God bless you guys. Look forward to seeing you 9.30 next week. It's not your Sunday to take off. I will come to your home. All right. I will see you guys next week.